some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. This is Gunnar Monson, along with me, as always, is my good friend and Bigfoot researcher extraordinaire, Shane Hardcore Corson. How are you today, Shane? Howdy, Gunnar. Doing well, man. How you doing? Good. I've been, uh, I'm excited because uh, I was invited to join um, some gentlemen on a upcoming expedition up to uh, Canada and that's been deemed Operation Sea Monkey. And even though it's kind of a, you know, mm. uh, a funny name for the, but it's, uh, it actually is fairly descriptive of what we're going to do. We're going to um, go up and, and check out some island areas uh, off of uh, British Columbia. Um, and I'm, it's, it, it's being organized by Todd Neese. But uh, Todd is uh, going along with uh, Ron, Mr. Ron Moorhead of Sierra Sounds, and then uh, world-renowned Canadian researcher Thomas Steenberger will be joining us. So that I'm excited. I haven't spent a lot of ta- a lot of time with Thomas, so it'll be good to to uh, bond. And then uh, um, Tom Seward is is uh, lives up in the area and is uh, it was. He and, and Todd did a, decided that this would be a cool place. Um, Tom knows some areas up there that uh, um, he's had um, ex- had encounters in. So um, yeah. he's very familiar with the area, and and um, we're we're timing it with with when Tom uh, has observed over time that that there's a higher uh, likelihood that you're going to have see something. We're taking you know, um, night vision and therms, and uh, it, it's going to be a blast. So, uh, and hopefully yeah. we'll find something big footy. We're also going to have uh, Darren O'Brien, who's a friend of, of Todd's as well, that, that is a, 
a videographer who's coming to to uh, document the whole thing. So um, we're excited about that. Uh, we do have a uh, GoFundMe um, a, account page set up. So if you are interested in supporting Operation Sea Monkey, uh, you can check it out on our uh, on our Facebook page, on the Monster X group page. So and um, it's exciting. The exhibitions we're taking off, uh, and we'll spend about ten days up there. So. Um, yeah, it sounds like a, uh, sounds like a, a yeah. Sound, I'd be excited too. Uh, that's a great area. Um, you guys are going to be heading out to. I know uh, this has been on the books for a while now, and uh, bringing a lot of great equipment. A lot, uh, a lot of people involved are um, solid in what they do and, and uh, experience and knowledge uh, as much as you can have in this field. But bringing their backgrounds, everything to the table here, and uh, um, it's kind of something different and refreshing. And uh, there's no promises. You know, it's just. But if you, if folks other can, you know, um, I know uh, by supporting this project, I think you'll be you'll be mentioned in the in 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 some sort uh, down the road when this uh, video or, or documentary yeah. comes out. But uh, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, there's great potential here, and I know uh, I know uh, you guys are the type that will probably not get any sleep because you're going to go all at it with this. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'd probably be too excited to sleep, but uh, yeah, there there's. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, finding the the needle in the haystack, and just you, you you go to some place that has a history at a certain time of year of, and and it's kind of like um, our present the presentation we did at the International Bigfoot Conference. We talked about creating, you know, taking the data to create predictability. Um, that's kind of the best you can hope for when you're looking for this this uh, enigma. So, um, and that's what we're doing. We're going to an area that, that has a history at this time of year. And, uh, uh, according to Tom, they, you know, they come down and, and will harvest, uh, the clams and stuff down um, near the water. So we're going to be checking the shorelines and, and, mm-hmm. and we'll be utilizing a drone as well. So yeah. it should be Multiple a language. Right. That's Hopefully we will. It will yield some kind of uh, thermal footage. Would be cool. Day, of course, daylight footage would be the best. But we'll keep our fingers crossed. We appreciate the yeah. people that have already uh, supported the the uh, project. So, <clears throat> well, let's talk a little bit about what you were doing this weekend. You had an interesting oh, I, uh, uh, weekend. In between, I've been running around like a madman. But uh, this weekend, I, I made it out uh, to the Mount Hood area general area of my encounter and I took uh Jess Southern with me and uh yeah it was it was interesting I mean beautiful perfect beautiful weather and uh, we got we got out there and uh had you know like I said perfect weather and made it to our destination you know and it's quite a trek but we made it there and uh interesting interesting nights you know I mean uh I'm still going through a lot of audio but there were some irregularities as I see them, you know, uh, one of those things would be in this area and in other areas, we get this, this odd stomping. Uh, I call it stomping. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like heavy stomping. Um, almost something hitting the ground really hard, uh, close to camp. Uh, I can't rule out a lot of things, but it's, uh, was 
something I remember from my original counter, and it's reported in these areas, even alongside of a sighting. So that sticks out in my head. I did get something uh, um, something big at one point on the flare. Uh, it was so quick I didn't even get a chance to uh, to record it, unfortunately. But uh, could have been, you know, there are bear in this area and everything else. So uh, who knows? But you know, there was a couple odd vocals. So we, uh, you know, I did not hear a growl, but. Um, Jess did hear a growl, kind of a guttural growl, and I got that on on uh, on recorder. So interesting, you know. I mean, it very inconclusive, but uh, it's an area with some history to it. So uh, it was time well spent out there, and hopefully make it back out there soon. So yeah, it's always hard to leave when you have, you know, some weird stuff going on. You know, some yeah. of that behavior doesn't sound a lot like, sound like, you know, known animal behavior. Like you said, it could be something else. Could be a bear, but again, that's why you know you take take the audio and uh, vet it by by using it, putting it light through Sonic Visualizer, so you can actually see it and compare it to to known animal you know vocalizations. Exactly. So yeah, because that's exactly. I mean, the and court, this is the time of year. Stuff. Sorry, I was just yeah, going to say this ahead. is the time of year. I like to be up in this area. Um, for a lot of reasons, and one is because of the, you know, historically the, the amount of uh, reports uh, and encounters that come out of this particular area. It's usually um, from about August forward, you know, um, you know. And yes, there are people that do mention to some of these areas, but and you know, and whatnot. But uh, even up through December, when there's just a lack of people, there's reports. So, so it's a time I want to be out there, and <clears throat> um, you know, sometimes we go out there and it's just a complete dud. I mean, just nothing going on. Uh, you know, like this weekend, I thought it was going to be one of those weekends because we went out there and there was just it was just dead silent, no animals around, nothing, no, no noise, very quiet night, no wind, perfect recording and listening, uh, you know, weather, and uh, well, didn't it, it panned out fairly well? You know, got some interesting stuff on recorder, uh, heard some interesting stuff in person, heard some interesting stuff on recorder that I did not hear in person, um, even some possible rock clanking or what sounds like rock clanking, I should say. So uh, yeah. And that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, it's always interesting because when you do get stuff on the recording, and, and when you hear stuff um, live, when you're you know you what you're aware of, you're hearing, then you you uh, audio is so passive that that you get a lot of things that you miss. You know, you miss when you're up, you don't hear it, but but you, the audio recording catches it. We have a lot of that in the Tillamook area because we yeah. set them yeah. out in different locations and. And uh, so we're actually extending our hearing range, basically. And uh, there's some interesting, you know, like you said, there's interesting stuff. And uh, we know that there uh, are Bigfoot in that area because that's the area that you had your sighting in. So um, it uh, holds a special meaning. And, we, and you do get stunk because uh, we went the weekend that, that uh, Susan and I came out with you to that area. Um, it was a quiet. It was a quiet weekend. So, yeah, I think we found some. At least I found some interesting impressions, but nothing conclusive. And that, you know, it's just the, how it goes. Uh, right. you know, it is what it is, and that's just part of uh, doing what we do. So, but we still enjoy being out in the outdoors. So it's all good. And that's what um, David Ellis talks about. You know, it's 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 just as uh, important to record your data and stuff on when things don't happen as when, when things do happen. It's just part Absolutely. of the, 
the ongoing and growing record of of uh, uh, material that you need to, and you can tell if you know maybe it has something to do with moon phase or 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 weather or whatever or or, or uh, time of year when people are right. present or not present. So, and, and that's that's one of the well, things we, just, we talked about at the, the conference. You know, at the conference, mm-hmm. I did speak to this. I said, and I fully firmly believe this. You got to be in an area for a long time to completely understand it and appreciate it you got to know all of your animals in the area your your you know your fauna uh plant life to really get a better feel for it and then you know get to know all your sounds i mean get to know what animals are capable of and what they're not capable of and and then only then when you get presented uh something that comes across as you know unknown or peculiar can you compare it uh having that experience you know i mean unless you have a straight on visual of something sounds are ambiguous i mean and and things of that nature uh, well, you know, most of them can be explained away, but there are some that, you know, leave you thinking. And if you can record it over and over again uh, throughout the years and, and specific time of the year and look at all the, the data available, um, you might get a better idea and you might be able to find patterns. You may not be able to spring Sasquatch, but you can go, okay, well, this is happening this month under this moon phase, uh, under this weather pattern. And so that makes it... Um, it, it, at least, you know, as a citizen scientist, well, at least you're, you're trying to document stuff and, and understand it. You know, you can't just, you know, unfortunately, uh, most researchers are either weekend warriors or part-time things, and that's just the nature of the beast at the moment. But, uh, you know, the more time you get spent in these areas, you know, the better. Well, the, we were fortunate enough to be invited to speak at the first uh, ever uh, International Bigfoot Conference that was hosted in Kennewick, Washington, last weekend with uh, uh, Ed Brown, uh, Russell, and Kelly Accord put that thing on, and I I gotta um, give them kudos for putting together a, a great event. Um, it was for my first time in that kind of venue uh, speaking. Um, we've done a couple of hop squatch and stuff, but uh, they took really good care of us as speakers. Um, the venue was uh, spectacular. Um, they they dealt with uh, things that came up. They had a couple of uh, of, of uh, speakers that couldn't make it. Kirk Brown was uh, was uh, not able to make it. John uh, Doctor Vendernigel was not able to make it, and uh, Cece Brown got stuck in Florida uh, due to weather and and wasn't able to make it. And uh, they were able to, of course, Cliff Berkman was there and stepped up and uh, did a presentation and then um, they, Bob Gimlin was there and uh, spoke at two different times and uh, that's always a pleasure to hear Bob uh, he is quite the you know the old cowboy and uh, storyteller so and you just it, it it's awesome to have him involved in the community still because uh, even though the the film has not answered the question conclusively. Um, hearing all the context uh, of the before, what happened before, about what happened after, you know, the fact that they they did not plan their days um, until the morning they, is when they decided what they were going to do for that day. Uh, and it just, um, he's such an earnest person. It, you know, it, I just couldn't, I can't believe that he would be involved in a hoax one and if he was being hoaxed by you know roger patterson uh, the person uh in the quote unquote in the suit would would have been taking their life in their hands because uh 
actually during the filming, Bob had his rifle trained on the subject in the, the film. So, and the thing is, I mean, that's without even going into the detail of, you know, the the context of the film itself is, uh, so it was, a, I, I found a lot of, a lot of great speakers, you know, Todd and Diane were niece were there. Um, Ken Gearhart uh, was, was spoke Adam Davis, um, on and on. I mean, just, and, and, uh, like I said, the, the hosts, Ed and, um, Russ and Kelly did a spectacular job of, of putting together a, a top-notch event. So I, if you can make it next year, um, it's going to the, – the second annual International Bigfoot Conference will be on Labor Day weekend 2017, and I highly recommend uh, that they uh, that you get tickets early because um, I have spoke to Russ since the event, and, and he's um, geared and ready to go to, to uh, blow this thing up next year big time yeah. and um uh so get your tickets early so we have mm-hmm. a, we do have a guest today mr brian impey is with us and uh uh brian is a bigfoot researcher and um historian uh that uh is involved at the monsters mysteries and mayhems group um further ado let's bring on mr brian impey mr hey, brian hey. how are you buddy I'm pretty good. Um, good. You know, I, I, I did. First of all, I mean, I know, I know it's all about, uh, uh, you know, what the subject is: cryptids and Bigfoot and research and, you know, conferences and and all the things you're talking about. And y'all are really talking about some serious research. So uh, I'm I'm in awe a little bit there. Good job. Uh, I do want to <laughs> just throw out there. You know, this is nine eleven. You know, so I, I you know, this is okay. y'all's show. But gosh, I mean, I, uh, it's just heartbreaking, just all day long that I've been working and whatever. We just can't forget what today is, and, and it's just an honor to be on this show on such a day. I mean, so yeah, uh, you know, so I just well I know nobody's gonna forget, but I just want to throw that out there. <clears throat> Um, yeah, well said. Thank you, thank you, uh, and and you're so right. You know, uh, uh, it's an important day of remembrance and uh, never forget. And uh, I've seen Ribbon. I was in uh, Washington earlier today, and I just got back down to Portland, Oregon, and it was it was humbling and awesome to see the amount of patriotism out there and the amount of people that uh, that uh, do remember this day and for what it means and. Um, yeah, so well said and uh and, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, sir. And and you know <clears throat> you know, you talk about highs and lows of life. Um I worked at a big retailer and whenever the the nine eleven happened the night before, uh it is a really long story, bottom line is we were chosen to uh, uh by a couple to confirm an adoption. So it was like the biggest high of our life. And so we were up late and, you know, just like everybody, you know exactly where you were. You could probably tell the grains of sand wherever you were when this thing happened. But we were on the high of life, staying up late, and 
we got up the next morning late. I got to, I had to work late, and somebody from my work called me and said, uh, "Hey, how, how, did everything work out?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is great," and they're like, "Oh, that's so great. Uh, turn on the TV, just any channel." And from then on, I was, uh, you know, it was that's in my mind. I could visually see what happened. I said, "Well, I got to go." <laughs> I'll, and yeah. then they shut shut down the mall early and it was just crazy but you know it's the highs and lows of life and it hit me very hard on that particular situation and and uh so anyway i know we've all got stories um but you know i would say on the description on uh, monster x radio of um you know the boggy creek festival organization um i'm have y'all kind of heard what's going on there on at the festival that's down here, a little bit, but you know, please please elaborate. You know, because I, I guarantee a lot of our audience has no idea. Well, uh, I'll I'll read Lyle Blackburn because he's a great writer. Oh my God, buddy of mine. Oh yeah, y'all know, <laughs> y'all know him. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all know him. But here's here's his overview, and he posted on Facebook on August eighth. To answer the questions about this year's Boggy Creek Festival, as far as I know, there is no festival happening happening this year. The past organizer tried to move it to Texarkana, which is about 15, 20 minutes away from Falk, Arkansas. And that's what I've been told, which I don't think is happening either. If there's some other incarnation going on, I have been excluded. Regardless, I will be working with officials and townsfolk in Falk to resume or create a new event organized by me for 2017. This will be designed to benefit the town, which was my goal in the first place by donating my time to the previous year's event. So bear with me as I work to continue the tradition in the future. That's his statement. I mean, you know, me and and Lyle have kind of known about this for a while, kind of sitting on on the sidelines a little bit, just waiting to see what happens. And, you know, there is more to it, but, I don't want to hurt no feelings in anywhere, but I'm just in support of the town. I love the town. I love Lyle, and just anything I can do to help is where I stand in this. I mean, mm-hmm. if they if they put it together with the previous group, fine. But uh, I guess as the part of the Boggy Creek Festival organization, I have been. Maybe in 2017 I will be again. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, generically speaking, want to just throw that out there. That's that's kind of what that is, isn't it? You know, it is never going to be the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. It's never going to be the International Bigfoot Conference. Uh, but it's a very quaint, nice uh, bucket list conference and just being in Falk, Arkansas. And that, I, I, I'm so happy that I live here. I'm 15, 20 minutes from down there. Yeah. Well, you know, that's really what that festival is all about. Is It is about the town. And being quaint yes. is actually very appealing. It's very intimate. Uh, and, and so it's it's uh, makes it very appealing. And it's kind of a shame. I hope uh, Lyle and you can get, get this rolling again, uh, wherever it may right. lead, and, and be in the town. Uh, that's where it's meant to be. Right. And, you know, uh, with in combination with Seth Breedlove's, uh, 
working with Lyle on the Boggy Creek Monster uh, documentary, The Truth Behind the mm-hmm. Legend. And, wow, uh, you know, it, it probably wasn't intentional of this whole situation of not having something this year. But, uh, I, you know, I kind of think of, in my mind, the Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Brick Road of, of not necessarily money. I'm just saying just how cool is it going to be to reintroduce in 2017 some rendition and be involved with getting the Falca conference back up, maybe a different name, and then potentially introducing that movie maybe then. I don't know when their intentions are of actually introducing the movie, maybe uh, November, but then – uh, but anyway, I'm just saying it, yeah. it, it might work itself out that way. So, Well, with you guys behind it, possibly, uh, and definitely Lyle, I'm sure yeah. there are big things down the road uh, for that event. And, wow, would it be cool to, to see uh, Seth's video um, to launch launch it. That'd be, that'd be uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's – wow, uh, my year, um, this year has – been it's not been the best uh getting out in the woods but it's really been a year of being at the right place at the right time kind of situation uh we uh, seth brelove whenever he was filming that and lyle down there i was so fortunate to and i'm going to be careful how i say this because i i mean they are going to have a behind the scenes. They're going to have their whole um, documentary, but they're, you know, going to have the behind the scenes. You'll probably see me, I'm sure, in some of the behind the scenes. But uh, generically speaking, we, they, and I, in uh, accordance with them, got invited to Smoky Crabtree's uh, original residence in the Crabtree Lake, which. Uh, Neil Crabtree, um, Lane Crabtree's son. Lane Crabtree is the the guy who actually had the sighting and shot, you know, like in the movie you see. Well, Neil Crabtree said nobody's been out there since they filmed the movie. Nobody from the public. And oh my gosh, you know, you talking about Seth and his crew and me, and we're doing all we can not to just be jumping for joy every second we were out there. Uh, so there's going to be some great, great footage of some of that stuff. And uh, we got uh, escorted by some Crabtree descendants in boats on Days Creek and Boggy Creek. And, oh, man, you know, my wife wanted to choke me down. But, you know, I saw all kinds of snakes and stuff. and oh, But it was the time of my life. <laughs> I mean... To be on Boggy Creek, driven by a the Crabtree descendant, was was pretty crazy, and uh, that that's one of the highlights of my year actually, because we spent all day out there. I'm quite excited about that. Well, that's we we had the that's kind of like going to uh, Shane and I had the opportunity to go to Eighth Canyon and the site of the the uh, wow. Yeah, Fred Beck incident. So I mean, it's 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 always awesome. And I've got I went to the you know Bluff Creek area where they filmed mm-hmm. the Patterson Kimlin footage. So it's, it's it's a little bit like going to on a mecca, you know, for oh yeah, for uh, Bigfooters. It's like going to the 
the spot that kind of started your interest. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Bri- Brian, Brian, for the no, people okay, that go don't, ahead. go ahead. No, you finish your sentence. I'm sorry. Well, I, <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, you know, I guess you could probably Google it, but it's it's one a lot of these places down here, um again, you know, I guess lifelong Bigfoot encrypted enthusiast, investigator historian. I you know, as much as people may think, Well, he's a researcher and that I don't wanna say that because you know, the things y'all describe of getting out there and going to Mount Hood and all these, you know, uh, re- I say ridiculous Olympic project and and uh, on and on, um, but to go out and and do the things I've done and be on these bucket list situations um, and be with these Crabtree descendants and to hear Neil Crabtree talk about his dad and the sighting and you know there's a tree and you know. Uh, you know, a branch might have found its way into the back of my truck. <laughs> How about that from the tree? Uh, but, you know, I'm just uh, sentimental like that, I guess. But Neil, uh, it was kind of funny. He had us all sitting, sitting there. He's like, you know, do not ever, 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 ever come out here because it's it's in an undisclosed location. Um, don't go out there without contacting him first. There's uh, quite a few uh, other descendants and other residents out there that shoot and ask questions later. So um, that's why there's been nobody out there since the movie uh, was filmed. So it was – we were under protective uh, custody from Neil Crabtree, let's just say, and we – you know, Assassin got to do his drone and – Wow, y'all are gonna love that that video! Oh my goodness! So go ahead, go ahead. You're gonna ask a question. <laughs> no, I, um, Brian, for uh, Monster X listeners that aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your background and how you got into became interested in Bigfoot? And... You know, uh, I, I, I've always been a lifelong enthusiast. The thing about it is I lived in um, somewhat cities. I mean, you know, not, not big cities, but right when I say on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi is where I grew up, you could pretty much throw a rock and hit the water. Okay, I didn't have hunters in my um, family, so I didn't venture out and do that. So, But I was always interested in the subject. And what, through living in Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, I know there's a group over there that um, do have sightings and things going on. But, again, working in retail, I strictly work way too much and haven't, in the history's sake, met the right people till about three to four years ago is when, like, the I got transferred over here to Texarkana. And, you know, when you say Texarkana, Texas, I mean, I'm in Texas, Arkansas, same thing, but I'm, I'm 15 minutes from downtown 
Falk. And then from there, you're five minutes from the nastiest swamps you've ever seen, probably. Um, so since I've moved here is when it really took off. And circumstances of talk, you know, calling into a radio show, I met and subsequently became best friends with Jeff Stewart. And he lives in East Texas. And since then, uh, you know, he's had sightings. He's been on all those shows, Monsters Ministries, Finding Bigfoot, Les Stroud, and more. But he's been on countless radio shows. We've camped uh, on his, uh, you know, if you remember the Monsters and Mysteries, it's a recreation. But we we've camped many times at that campsite. So um, he's got recorders all around there. This fall, I'm actually looking to go down there and do some more camping and hunting. He's got upwards of 400 plus acres and a and a and a camp hunting camp that's 500 and some. So basically, not quite, maybe about a thousand acres because they're sitting next to each other. That pretty much you could just go somewhere different every day, and uh, that's a lot of acreage. And he's had, again, he's had sightings out there. So since about three and a half to four years ago, meeting him, meeting Lyle, getting really intimate with the uh, uh, Boggy Creek Festival, and I've actually done some tours during the festival, help Lyle out about that. Um, it's just I, I have grown exponentially with the, I guess, the historical factor um, and – the just getting to know people factor, which, you know, then leads me to the small time opportunities of camping out and, and, uh, going to check the, the trail cams and, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's probably more to it, but, uh, I, at the time I met, uh, Smokey Crabtree and I have visited him quite a lot over the past three years to the point where I was honored and asked to be with Lyle and Neil Crabtree and others to be a pallbearer at, at, and Jerry Hestand and Craig Wilder and some other guys, pallbearers at his funeral. Um, and that was an unbelievable honor. And, uh, and subsequently again, just, just relationships and meeting people. Gosh, I've met so many people. I just like like even being on here, you know, uh, you know, the, the Shelly Covingtons uh, that really does a lot of traveling, and I know Shane, you know her well, and um, Adam Davis, and and really uh, any interaction he's had with Shelly and the whole DNA uh, kit. I mean, some of that stuff really excites me, and I've had some good conversation with Shelly about some of those things. So as the rest of the show goes on, I guess, you know, they'll, you know, hear more. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been down to, uh, gosh, about, I guess it all starts about three years ago for me, but not quite about three years ago. Uh, this group, I guess Falk again is the bucket list for a lot of people. This group of, uh, their last name is, uh, Rourke. They come up from Austin, Texas, 
uh, and they wanted to camp out in Falk. And some of the people from the area either suggested this place called Alex Smith Park or Thornton Wells. Alex Smith Park is kind of basic and really rough in it as it is. Thornton Wells, it's in the you know what, and you basically a road ends, and there's the campsite. It's a uh, hopefully they mowed it. That's your campsite, <laughs> and then right down the hill is the swamps and the God. The alligators could have been chewing on their campsite. I mean that's how, I mean that's how close they were, and how remote they were. Um, but point is, three and a half, three years ago or so. I met them down there, and they had never been there. We were going off in the woods in the middle of the night. And, you know, yay, they're squatching. Everybody's green at this. (laughs) Okay. But we come upon these tracks that um, I've never shared uh, pretty much other than a handful of people like Lyle and Jeff Stewart and a few. But – I have a 14-size foot, and it was solidly – it wasn't a track per se, but it was a depression in the shape of the foot, about 19 to 20 inches. And you say, well, okay, well, you found – yeah, maybe. But here's the thing. I weigh, in essence, 300 pounds. This was during the winter. I couldn't dent the ground. Um, This thing was about an inch and a half deep and there was a lot more they were about five and a half to six feet apart and they were along a ridge line that we kind of had to work a, a little hard to get up to the ridge line and I, as i'm telling this story not uh, about a year or so ago to lyle and uh he's got a, a great outdoorsman his name's tom shirley when I was telling and Jerry Heastan, he was the Heastan, they were there, and they started looking at each other. I'm like, okay, was this an inside? They weren't laughing. I mean, was this something inside? And he's like, Tom says, I know exactly where that is. And Lyle's like, yeah, we've heard some things right there. I'm like, well, I've seen some, you know, I didn't see, have a sighting. But when you're 300 yards, and we knew this because of the GPS tracker that he had, that uh, we were 300 yards, we knew where the campsite was. We're in the middle of, you know what, down there in South Fort and Wells, swamps everywhere, and we're on this ridge line, and I, I kind of described it, and Tom Shirley knows, and Lyle, Lyle knew exactly where we were. I couldn't go there to save my life right now. I don't know where I was. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it is what it is. We've got a dog tracker. Let's walk that way. And we knew where the camp was, but we didn't know where we were walking. We just kept going further away from the camp in the middle of – we were stupid. I'm going to tell you that right now. Nobody had guns. <laughs> There's hog evidence everywhere. Again, I've just been lucky. Okay. But by the time we got up to this ridge, I took some pictures before they stomped all over it and and, and, and took a little bit of video, and it was depressions with – Winter leaf litter, again, you'd say, did somebody hoax it? Well, I'm 300 pounds. I couldn't make a a dent in this ground, and it was an inch and a half, and it dwarfed my foot. 
and it was every five and a half to six feet along this ridge line, and nothing else was disturbed. I look, I'm sitting here with my when I wanted to leave. I was like, I don't know what that is, but uh, and but the problem was the guy had the dog tracker collar, and I couldn't leave without him. And he, oh, let's we're going to continue on. I'm like, oh my god. So I, I stood right in the middle of him because, uh, you know, the old saying, you know, <laughs> either run the fastest, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever the saying is. But I was in the middle of that group. We gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of. I was you don't have. Out, yeah, man. you don't have to run fastest. Just got to be. Right. There's got to be somebody slower than you. All right. And uh, <laughs> first and foremost, I felt like I was pretty good on that. And then the second was I was. I, position myself right in the middle of them because it was a group of kids and adults and and I was just the loner guy but but that's my you know again claim the fame friends relationships I had that I mean I, I I just can't tell you enough how excited I am to be where I'm at and to see some of the things I've seen to be camping down there with Jeff Stewart in East Texas and we've heard some things uh, that, uh, you know, unexplained. We've seen some things that's unexplained. Uh, you know, so, again, I haven't had a sighting, but I've seen enough and heard some testimonials of things that have been seen. Uh, I have no doubt that a hominid with intelligence is out there, and I believe that, uh, you know, just like humans, there's different versions, different uh, colorations. I mean, there's no way they all look the same. Uh, you know, you got your witness statements, credible witness statements uh, saying the same thing, but there's no way uh, a very dark black colored, you know, down here in the swamps is colored in the in the in the mountains with all the snow because it's yeah. a beacon. Like, come look at me. It's just that doesn't make sense. So, uh, so I'm a believer. I'm a no kill yeah. kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I've contacted – I mean, I could do it right now. Adam Davies is, is as a far away, and, and maybe he'll be here forever now in America. But yeah. uh, he's a great guy, and, oh, my gosh, uh, just meeting him would be a bucket list sort of a thing. And I might – in uh, Jefferson, Texas, with this uh, Texas uh, Bigfoot conference coming up in October, Whew, huh. him and Jeff Meldrum – I'm kind of yeah. excited to, to do that. So, yeah, it sounds like a <laughs> uh, another great lineup, and I definitely, you know, Adam's a good friend of mine, and uh, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's just he's very smart, very on point, uh, but has a great sense of humor, and uh, will have you rolling. Um, he had right. me laughing a few times at this last conference. We all went out to dinner, and uh, funny guy, I tell you, but uh, with an absolute <laughs> pun of stories. So if you get a chance. I highly recommend it. You guys will probably end up being good friends. He's just that sort of guy. So definitely right. do that. But, uh, Brian, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, now, you or maybe point something out and ask you a question. You know, you were a um, – you did, uh, like, tours, correct, on a bus? Uh, you were a driver, I, I imagine, down there in Folk? Well, uh, there was a driver, and okay. I uh, – at this – well, there's different versions of it, but – uh, there was always a driver, <laughs> and they had a Good. a bus on one a short bus ride, sort of. And I just spoke up. I can get loud. But then there's another one that had like a fairly big van that would hold twelve people, 
and they had a way to put a microphone up to the through the speakers. So we went to the bean field, which y'all will see in the uh, uh, documentary. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, it's a private residence now, but uh, over the years I've been here and and while too, we've kind of gotten co- coaxed them to be able to let us go out there periodically. But it's a private mm-hmm. ranch, so uh, don't even try it. <laughs> let me just yeah. do that. Uh, but yeah, so we went to uh, the route, basically. Uh, where you can go by the bean field, you can go by where uh, um, uh, I guess Mary Cersei they had that incident happen in the movie. They kind of recreated it. Uh, she had a trailer, but uh, trailer. None of these buildings pretty much are there anymore. So you know, if anybody comes down, there's no, you know, the Ford House. I know exactly where that is. They're going to show you kind of where that is on the documentary. It's Again, private land. It's torn down. There's nothing there. It's, uh, I don't know. I've got a picture of it somewhere. Uh, but let's just say I've got a lot of pictures <laughs> of this area, and and I I love to probably, heck, I don't know if I make my own little book. You know, Walmart will let you have a picture book of some sort. Maybe one day I'll do that, but. I've got pictures of things that people just don't know. Like, that's what it is? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I know this because the residents of, that are 70, 80 years old, let me drive you down there. That's where it is. And, and you ask somebody else, and, you, you know, five times later, sure enough, that's where you, son, that's right where the Ford's house used to be, you know. So <clears throat> there's not too many people, and I would hate for that information to get lost at some point. Uh, there's not too many people that know where all these things are. And I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I know enough that the more famous ones, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that that's exciting. Yeah, well, you're a bit of a historian. I mean, you really got to, to know uh, the history behind the Boggy Creek incident and the people involved. You got to know them. You got to hang out with them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean – Besides, and I'd like to talk more about that, but besides, you know, that particular incident, you know, you know, being on some of these tours and whatnot and mm-hmm. being involved with the history and getting to know people, um, are there um, other historical reports in that area that you were aware of, and are there any current reports from that area, uh, other than kind of what you well, were talking about earlier with your own experience? Well, uh, I will say yes, there are. They kind of get spearhead and targeted straight to Lyle, because Lyle has, in the small town of Falk, been accepted very well. Uh, so it, on occasion, I might help him, but he does. You'd be amazed how often he does get over this way, and he does uh, uh, interview people, and he's got a great method, and it's probably more extensive than I could tell you, but. He likes to go interview where things happen, have further conversation on the phone. And bottom line is he's double and cross-checking, and and if he keeps hearing the same story. And, you know, when you look at somebody's eyes and, you know, you know all these old-timers and upstanding citizens of Falk, 
and you kind of background check these people. I mean, Lyle is so unbelievably good at the research aspect of interviewing people and how he combs it pretty hard. So when, you know, he has his books come out, uh, you can count on them. I'm going to tell you that. You can very much count on them. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've done a few things for a while, and, I, you know, I hate that I, I feel like sometimes I name drop. It isn't that. It's just that I've befriended some of these people to the point where, hey, if you've got a time, can you go do this for me? Or some of that goes on. Uh, it's growing now a little bit to the fact that people do contact me. Not very much, but mm-hmm. I do help Lyle when I can. Um, so, you know, again, it's not name dropping per se, but – I do enjoy it to the point where I support a lot of people in a lot of ventures. And uh, I've actually happened to have gone up to uh, Little Rock for a meeting with my job. And there was a guy in Conway, Arkansas, which is just a little to the left of northwest of Little Rock, really close to Valonia. and that's where the Arkansas Bigfoot Conference is. And um actually interviewed a guy for a while um, right at the same time, right after the tornadoes happened, I guess two years ago. Uh, they were going to have the first annual, but then the tornadoes ripped the town apart. And uh, Conway's just a little past that. And uh, I interviewed a guy and went out there, took pictures, and uh, – he, I think Lyle obviously called him after the fact and tried to verify all the things I wrote and took notes on and took pictures of. And again, I think uh, I think that made it to maybe one of his next books and stuff. But uh, you know, I do peripherally hear about a lot of things currently going on, and it's so matter of fact, like you know. Lyle's interviewing these people, but yeah, it uh, ran right in front of us. Or like I was over there feeding my horses, and something runs through the woods. And you know, a lot of times they're like, I don't know what it was, but it was, you know, it was almost eight foot tall, and you know, typical description. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's happening right now. And and the thing about it is, when you are in the mountains in the south, I mean the northwest. You know, that's like you got to work hard to get some places, and you just know there's really nobody has has been there in who knows how long, and it it just leads itself to know that if something's there a lot, you know, it might be something else. Well, there's in the respect of swamps and just nastiness, there's places you just don't want to go down here, and that's a tough town. A lot of people, I mean, when you think somebody doesn't own land, well, it's pretty much all owned, and you just don't want to go down the wrong road. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. It's it's just a tough area to be down in. Uh, you yeah. better know somebody. Right, <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> and I would imagine there's probably a lot of reports that don't go uh, that aren't made known because uh, it's right. on property, and people don't want people flocking there, especially – 
nowadays yeah. where Bigfoot or Sasquatch has gone TV mainstream and, and everybody's trying to, you know, you got all these looky-loos and investigators and you don't, right. yeah, you, you don't want that. You'd rather just keep it to yourself and not, you know, avoid the whole situation where you draw a gun on somebody on your property. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could tell you some stories, but I mean, Falk is, I love Falk and I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to go there, but it does involve <laughs> some of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. Well, you know, we don't have, see, what's really neat for me to think about is the fact that you have these historical, uh, and I think they're important whether they're true or false, but historical uh, reports, you get these, you know, and, and Seth Breedlove has done a great job at capturing uh, those moments in time and making films out of them, documentaries, but why mm-hmm. do you think, is it just a time period? Why do you think we, ha- we have these 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 certain blow-ups, you have a, a, a whole rash of sightings in these particular areas, and, it, you know, it's there for weeks or a couple months, and then it dies, it peters out. You know, why Why do you think that is? Uh, because you're describing to me that there's still possible activity going on out there, but it's not um, It's not built up or, or uh, doesn't make the news uh, quite like, you know, the, the Beast of Boggy Creek or, or uh, right. You know some of these other, you know, the the Gimlin, you know, Patterson Gimlin film, the uh, you know, the miners right. incident up in St. Helens. Why why is that? Well, here's what I think. Uh, when you got things, and I, this is since I've been here, but yeah. when you've got things like the Boggy Creek Festival, I, uh, I helped this past year, and and this is the last year that Smokey was there, Lauren Como was there. You know, probably seen all that. But I'm very observant, and I go, I kind of hang out in the Lyles area some, but you would be surprised at things like that that bring out people because they're over there. They kind of look around, and they, hey, I kind of got something to tell you. And then, you know, they're over there whispering, and, and, you know, after the fact, I was like, you wouldn't believe, you know, what's going on. So, in between times, I, I believe, again, the target of Lyle getting some stories, I think there are some periodic stories, mm-hmm. but things like those festivals, people are like, this is the time, because I'm they are, they are closed down there in a lot of ways, and they don't, man, they don't want, there's 800 some <laughs> people in the town. And that's from Texarkana to to Freeport, which is about an hour away. There's a lot of people just will go to their grave with it. It's it's just not going to happen. And and whether it's uh, I've talked to some people that their son or somebody they'll refer you maybe because they feel like they're not eloquent enough to even express themselves, and they're like ah. You know what? I've seen some stuff, but you know what? Maybe you can just go talk to my son. I, I don't speak good enough. You know, and, and you know, yeah. it, it's just the mindset somewhat down there. So I think these festivals are great, and it's a shame we don't have one this year. Ninety-nine percent sure about that. It's not going to involve yeah. Lyle or me, I guess. Uh, but you know, I'm excited to hope 2017. I hope I'm still here and we can head that up because. I think that's part of why there's a 
while I've been sitting on this kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. And like my footprint that I saw, I sat on it. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I sat on it for six months until I finally showed somebody or whatever. Because I just, whether some, I'm not worried about somebody believing me or not. Because yeah. I, I know, I mean, I'm 300 pounds and you'd have had to get a jackhammer out there and da 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 I mean, you couldn't have popped <laughs> that thing down. I mean, are you kidding me? And we're 300 yards in the middle of nowhere in swamps and nastiness. How in the world, I'm 300 pounds, how did you get an inch and a half, inch and a quarter deep, five and a half to six feet apart? Okay. I'm a believer. I ain't no doubt about it. Uh, And I'm not going to sit here and say, I know that's a Sasquatch and that's the Boggy Creek Monster descendant or something. But I know that wasn't normal. Right. (laughs) It was not a normal situation. Yeah, you don't necessarily, and I do the same thing. I don't really do it, you know, on uh, social media. I got plenty of other outreach uh, mm-hmm. and, and people I get in contact. But, I, you know, when I when I have found something I think that's of interest, um, I'm not looking for validation per se. What I'm looking for is, is collaboration and maybe an answer or maybe an idea as to right. what the heck is this, you know. And uh, I'll take uh, – any point given. Um, there's a lot more. There's a lot of people out there way more experienced in some of the things, some things that I am not, and I'm gladly right. will take feedback. And that's you know. But then again, you know, uh, you just said you know it took you like six months to show anybody, um, and and I'm sure you had many reasons for that. Uh, you know, uh, and that's you know for the majority of those out there, they're in the same boat. I mean. We think, oh, there's all these researchers and all and all this and that. Well, there are a lot of researchers, there are a lot of investigators, enthusiasts, uh, but you know, people do avoid ridicule and they don't have a lot of people don't have places or or feel comfortable to share stuff like that. You know, uh, it's right. it's kind of tough, right? Right. And I, like I said, I'd share it. I mean, I'd post it right now, but I just well. I take it as I, I don't care. You can believe me or not, but <clears throat> why am I putting that out there for somebody to either ridicule or say, "Oh, this is the greatest thing ever"? I, I just, uh-huh. I don't know. I hate to say it. I just don't care. You know, I'm yeah. having my own fun and doing my own thing. That's that's what I'm doing, and I enjoy hearing y'all's show and enjoy hearing how y'all do it to the nth level on certain things. I, I can only do what I'm doing. And uh-huh. uh, if, if if somebody doesn't uh, feel my enthusiasm and excitement, they're out of their mind. I, if I didn't work so much, and if I live right where y'all are living, shit, I, 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 or excuse me, for I might curse there a little bit, I'd carry your bags. I mean, I'd be like, dude, like when Seth came down here, he's like, hey, you ought to come over. But, uh, man, I'm like, I'm not working. I'm, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Uh, I, I was, I mean, I, I don't know. I was taking so many chances. I was knocking on doors. Where is this at? Uh, down there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was either going to go down there where Seth was or I was going to be carted out of there, but I was going to try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's my, that's my thing, you know. Uh, I guess in a way – I don't know. I'm not a serious researcher per se, but man, 
you know, there's all these researchers and people that do hunting, and that's what I plan on doing. Going down there with Jeff a lot this this fall. Hopefully, I can. We'll 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 hunt and uh, check his game cams, and he's ready, and he's doing it himself. But I, I'd like to be part of it too. And and if we see something fine, if not, uh, you know, he's gonna show me how to shoot a deer and stuff, and cut him up. <laughs> so that's that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, anyway, and you sorry. know, uh, no, you're fine. Uh, now, you're one of the very few that really got to know uh, Smokey. I mean, uh, right. can you talk a little bit about Smokey, who he was? Uh, I, I, you know, personally, I've never met the guy. I've never even talked to him. I, I did follow, mm-hmm. you know, as a bit of a historian and stuff, and and an investigator. A lot of the the history around. Smokey and what, what transpired, but can you talk a little bit to the person, to who he was, and on top of that, you know, um, did you find Smokey to be an honest, honest guy? I mean, can you talk a little bit about his character? Um, as far as you know, have you read his books? And I'm hoping a lot of people have. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> what you read in the books. I, I, I'm going to say he can, uh, kind of like uh, Lyle's investigative thing, uh, method. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smokey can reiterate those same stories and add more to them, and you feel like you're reading his book again because those books were written by a plain-spoken man, and I've looked in his eyes many a times, and if if I swear he could have said, you know, I shot this and that, whatever he says, it, you get to the point where that's a fact, you know. And and he's a hard nose, take it or leave it. He don't give a darn kind of a man. <laughs> and and <clears throat> he's uh, I guess he's told me some things. He's told me more things probably about his time as a welder uh, throughout uh, almost every state in the nation, different countries, and all these contracts he would go on and travel the world, and how he uh, got the trade to other people in his family, friends, and you just feel like, let me just say this. I keep backtracking, but there's 800 and some people that live down there in Fouts. I don't know what the per capita is that are welders, but there's a lot, and there's a lot of influence from Smokey on that. Uh, and he was 50, 60 years uh, um, union uh, master welder. And, um, gosh, his his museum that's right next to his house, it's a little trailer, but, he calls it the museum and he's got all these plaques and things. And, uh, I just think his character is unprecedented. I mean, and people, you know, down there in Falk, they either love him or hate him, but he's been married many times. You know, there's some hard feelings there and I don't know the particulars of what and why and some of the things that's went on. But when you're talking to somebody who's 
87. Man, they've seen it all. They've done it all. They have no reason to try and convince you, well, I was the good guy and all, whatever. He didn't care for nothing. He just said, here's here's how I went in the woods, son, and here's here's how I did the welding, and I've been all over the world. He would tell me instances, and some things he would say, <clears throat> and my wife was there sometimes. My kids were there sometimes. He's like, you know, with my wife, not my kids, there's some things I'm going to tell you, I, you know. It's almost like he wants to get it off his chest that he's right. seen as a welder, that tragedies and things, which I wouldn't even begin to repeat here, but he's seen things that you just wouldn't want to see in the welding business. And <clears throat> so all that being said, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that uh, Smokey is just one of the more character-driven, believable people down there. Um so that that's what I believe. Yeah, you know, Smoky uh, Smoky Crabtree. You know, you got this The Legend of Boggy Creek, an infamous um, film, one that got a lot of people interested in the, in in Sasquatch or Bigfoot in general. Mm-hmm. But one of the things Smoky um, was quoted saying was, in regards to the The Legend of Boggy Creek, he said that the the movie was a gross exaggeration of what had has actually happened here in Folk. And I, for one, would like to see the history kept straight. Uh, you know, right. I mean, what, what what exactly did he mean by that? I mean, uh, what was uh, grossly exaggerated and what was, you know, historically accurate? you got any opinion on that? Um, uh, kind of like you're saying, uh, I guess, the private people that don't want necessarily locations known because uh, the movie – I guess sensationalized, uh, uh, you know, as much as it was pretty accurate and, you know, Lyle did a great job at the end of his book of describing scenes and what was really accurate. But some of those things were so overblown and I guess the movie really centered on the Ford family, whereas the sightings and the, the realism was really not it didn't really so-called start in Falk it was just a little south of Falk and it really didn't get known till Smokey's son had that situation with you know shot three times and all that in the movie um and that wasn't exactly accurate but it was close (laughs) but but the movie sensationalized Falk rather than Jonesville, a little south of there, a community. Um, so 90% accuracy in the movie, but they the Hollywood aspect of it seemingly all happening in Falcon, seemingly uh, nonstop, it, it was it was for the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's I guess that's what he's talking about because on a on I don't know not daily but on a really recent really not maybe recent but on a often basis people were calling him because at that point way back then there was no Lyle there was nobody to call but everybody seemed to call Smokey he was running all over the place on credible people which ninety uh, percent uh, true in the movie 
only a few instances, but there's like a ton more that's never even see, seen the light of day of just being confidential of the stuff he was running around trying to find. So, yeah, uh, I and guess hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, but I mean, I, I would imagine um, at that time, you know, especially now I'm being involved in any sort of film or anything, you know, for, uh, I could imagine someone going, whoa, 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 uh, you know, this is not totally accurate uh, and being really dumbfounded, you know. I mean, nowadays it's it's uh, expected, you know, uh, no matter right. what you're doing, it's going to be exaggerated. It's going to, because people, mm-hmm. you know, networks have to sell a program or a documentary. Or so they're going to always make it bigger and better than it actually was or, or exaggerate stuff. And yeah. back then I would imagine, um, especially – with the lack of TV and documentaries that uh, so many like Smokey would have been pretty much dumbfounded. I, I know I probably would have been, you know, thinking, why don't you just tell the story straight? Um, I mean, it's a fantastic, right. it really is a fantastic uh, film. Um, you know, it right. still grips me to this day. Uh, right. But, yeah, that's just my perspective. I can imagine someone like Smokey going, you know, what what the hey, what's, <laughs> this, well, you know, uh, yeah. Most of the people in the movie are, people from the area if not all and i i mean i'm not going to be accurate when i say this but i would guess that half those people in that movie probably never even saw the movie so uh you know the other ones that may have went back then to the drive-in and saw it might have been dumbfounded but uh therein lies the whole mystique of again you know love or hate smoky because uh i that movie wouldn't have happened without him. That's not that's a fact. <laughs> so uh, these people who may have saw the movie, like, wait a minute, that maybe that wasn't it happened, and you know, and and a lot of people blame Smokey in a to a certain degree, and you know, he lived with that and tried to make it right his whole life. But uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so on yeah. that respect, right? What about? These reports, and it's in a lot of books, you know, Smokey finding an eight-foot skeleton. Um, you got anything oh. Anything to comment on that? <laughs> yeah. That, uh, well, you know, there's a uh, a CD that goes in accordance to, with, with the books, and it's actually got a few stories not in the books. And, again, I've talked to him face-to-face about some of those things. Uh, bottom line is, uh, that skeleton, at first it was quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, is it or isn't it? You know, he, he, uh, was involved with, uh, I guess the University of, uh, Arkansas and some people came down from Little Rock and took some samples of things and said, well, whatever it was, it potentially was feline and had died from pneumonia or whatever but uh it really nothing was conclusive the bottom line was nothing was conclusive and at that point he had already started uh i guess having a little uh after he had a a a music venue and after the venue he would have the display and charge people a dollar and bottom line was though he, and I've heard him, his voice, he said, you know what, I, it, there's no way it could have been uh, 
human or a Bigfoot or anything like that, it, it had to have been some kind of uh, on-the-ground four-legged animal, you know, potentially feline. He he just said he doesn't believe it was a Bigfoot. He just, the bone structure doesn't lend itself to one. But at that point, he did his thing, and, you know, uh, the people who found it and him had it in the box and was displaying it. And uh, at this point, I'm not sure who still thinks it is, but, you know, with Lyle's extensive research and with Smokey on that CD and I've talked to him and he, bottom line, he really didn't believe it really was uh, a Bigfoot. No. And I, I, I've seen it too. And it's quite, lends itself to what Lyle come up with a Siberian tiger and, you know, potentially in the woods. It just makes sense. You know, where, where where is that skeleton now? <laughs> <laughs> well, did the MIB Southwest, take it? No, <laughs> but it's in. I, there's no way. Um, but anyway, Southwest Arkansas is the best out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way I'm saying where that thing is. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be crucified. Uh, <laughs> but let me just say this. Uh, it still smells like the worst thing you've ever thought you would have smelled in your life and it's not it's not like you have to go up next to it to smell it <laughs> it's, it's all right right well they do say real. sasquatch smells so uh just throwing that no, out there no. well, this is not this is bone and yeah stuff <laughs> it's still stuff but yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, with some of these reports, you know, we look back at the Boggy Creek incident. When um, are, are are there many from what Lyle's been working on, and you've kind of been collaborating with? Are there any? Do the aggressive reports outweigh the non-aggressive reports for for you know this this Sasquatch Bigfoot mm. in this area, you know that area particularly? Do they, I mean, is there any variance there? Do you get a lot of aggressive reports, uh, or does Lyle? No, no. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm not sure there's any aggressive reports at all towards humans. Maybe they have seen uh, them with animals or or holding them or whatever, but that's probably even rare. It's more of the seeing something in the woods reports or, you know, right. seeing, some, seeing something and and then it takes off, you know, uh, you know, they get a good look at the face or whatever it may be. But down here, I don't feel like, uh, from what I understand of the sightings, that it's aggressive towards humans at all. Uh, and I don't even, uh, I mean, there might have been bluff charges yeah. and bluff things that have gone on, but nothing... Uh, and I, I always think back of uh, Mike Woolley and how he was kind of yeah <laughs> he felt like he was in mortal danger. Uh, I don't it, it it doesn't really resemble that per se uh, from what I understand. No. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's actually a really good point because I think uh, first of all we don't even know what we're dealing with per se. You know, we. We know nothing about Sasquatch or Bigfoot, really, truly, uh, no right. little, if anything. And so what 
we as humans describe as aggressive may not be aggressive at all. It could be uh, we, we can't even describe the behavior of Sasquatch because we, so, we know so little. And so right. to say that Sasquatch is aggressive, uh, I, I, I know of very few reports where I could defend, you know, say that, okay, well, that sounds aggressive. Uh, you know, I could look at mm-hmm. known animals and go, to one person, that may seem passive. To another, it may seem aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I, t- I take reports like this, you know, where someone says, oh, it was, it was aggressive. It, it threw a rock or mm-hmm. this or that. Well, I don't. I can't say that's aggressive behavior because I don't know anything about them. And 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 was it being playful? Was it uh, just trying to scare right. you off? Was it just you know? I mean, you know, it's it's open ended. Right. Well, you're kind of talking about trying to read intent. You don't know what the intent was when when something does something. What was its intent? That's that's harder. You know, if it's if it grabs you and and tosses you through the air, you might get. That have an aggressive intent, but intent, but all right. Yeah, rock well, tossing. You got to think. Yeah. Why? Like, if you got brothers or something, why would you throw a rock? Because maybe some kind of weird peekaboo thing. You throw a rock and hide behind a tree, and but you're not going to hit them. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, it could be playing. Heck, I mean, but again, you know, imagine the situations where. Maybe like, well, you're playing with your dogs and you accidentally hurt them. And it's like, okay, well, the intent was to play. Well, it wasn't that I'm trying to hurt. So, uh, I, you know, I think it's just like you're saying. I, I think the intent, whereas, again, we what, whatever we know is not definitive, but the intent is probably not what we think at all. But it's probably, like you're saying, not necessarily aggressive in most cases. Yeah, yeah. I think with like any known animal out there, uh, including people in general, uh, we're all capable of doing some pretty gnarly stuff and, and uh, being unpredictable at times. It, you know, if, if uh, I'm a nice guy, I'm, I'm a really nice guy. Uh, you, uh, you, you do something to my my daughter or my family, oh, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. You know, and uh, just like any animal, you know, one of the worst situations you can find yourself in in the woods is to, to come across a mama bear and her cub. Um, that's a that's mm-hmm. a dire situation, uh, a lot right. of times, and not a place you want to be. Uh, so, I think right. same can be said with Sasquatch. You, you know, and like I said, I, I don't know Sasquatch's intent. I don't know. I mean, you got a lot of these stories of missing people, and I know there's been books and people researching this, and I don't uh, throw those out the window. No, I, I I look at that, but when I look at the overall, uh, when you look at percentages of of incidents and whatnot they seem to be very passive um and fleeting <laughs> you know otherwise i think right. sasquatch would have been discovered by now so i i don't seem i don't you know of course you have to take into effect that as i believe sasquatch is pretty rare uh so there's a minimal amount of encounters so uh i couldn't right. say definitively you know either way but just looking at the reports when i, I would have to say that uh, most of the time they don't want anything to do with us most of the time and they try to avoid us Right, and, and, and it sometimes makes they're curious. Yeah, curious. Definitely. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, they come in close and check us out. So, right. It makes sense. Of uh, are, are y'all still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry. Seems like it went quiet for a second on my headphones. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, Doyle Holmes's name's out there. He's been in yes. a few shows, interviewed by Wild things. There's some things that might end up maybe in the 
documentary or things. So on that respect, I'll try and keep it very generic. But he, uh, on one of his sightings not too long ago, I mean, I, I say years, maybe, and, and again, I wasn't in the interview, but maybe three or four years ago, not very long, he witnessed a very plain juvenile were not during the night either, but he was trying to get close. It was in the water, but then he heard things <laughs> and hollers back and forth, like to the left and to the right or something like that. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take long to figure out you need to exit the situation and, and that there's more to the story and I'll let that be what it is, but that's, that's the bottom line. Um, he definitely uh, has. He's he lives, and I'll, I'll you know Southwest Arkansas down there, but he lives so close to some of this stuff that he's even uh, well maybe not encounters with Bigfoot per se, but there's there's cats down there, big cats, and he's got a big dog, a couple big dogs. And you know, and there's hogs down there, and but his dogs sometimes come back with nice sized chunks out of their backsides, and and these, right. these are dogs. I'm three, almost 300 pounds, and I, I don't, these big dogs. I don't want to mess with at all. So there's lots of things down in Falk, and and it goes along with East Texas too. Uh, uh, the biggest things they've got is. Deer, hogs, and not small hogs. A lot and a lot of big ones. Uh, And uh, there are some cats down there that people, you know, the old uh, black cats that people claim, oh, there's no such thing. Well, I've had a lot of people say there is. And things like that. I mean, maybe it was a hog or a cat. It wasn't a deer, but something took a chunk out of his dogs multiple times. So he's got a lot of great stories. Uh, and hopefully a lot of them will come out in the documentary or in Lyle's book. So. Yeah. Do you, do you guys actually, speaking of dogs, do you guys have a lot of dogs go missing or any livestock in those areas that um, mm. just are peculiar uh, or strange? I mean, obviously you have a lot of predators and a lot of, you know, hogs, for example, and uh, they are a predator in a, in a fashion. So, right. Uh, yeah. Do you have any peculiar uh, missing dog uh, or, or livestock incidents down there? Well, Here's the thing. Again, I do live in Texarkana, and in that respect, uh, I don't hear of that happening so much. Um, the uh, oh, I hear of a lot of hunters uh, killing as much as they can, actually, of hogs, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. In East Texas and all that, it's, I don't really think there's any... Uh, uh, seasons for that for hogs but in the last decade or so uh, anytime recent I don't think there's anything been missing I think there's uh, a lot more awareness of the animals now and a lot more fenced in areas so I don't think uh, nowadays that there's any free roaming anything so I don't think things come up missing and whether it's uh, found later or you know, in the woods, bones. I don't think that happens as much anymore at all. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah. What about what about some? You know, I mean, do you think? You know, talking to Lyle and collaborating with Lyle and just the stuff that you hear. Do you think 
even in Texarkana, I mean, in those places, do you find that you're getting um, or hearing about are reports or encounters increasing or are they decreasing? I mean, is there a fluctuation there? Uh, I mean, and have you seen any, personally, any patterns as to best times of year to, to be out there? Uh, I will say this, probably not any patterns that I've seen, but if, geographically, if you know Texarkana much or you can just Google it, it's uh, the biggest thing going between Texarkana and south is Freeport and south in the middle and it's got 800 people. So lots of swamps, lots of stuff. So a lot of potential for stuff to go on down there. North of uh, Texarkana, there's not much uh, till you know, Ashdown and Mena, Arkansas. Uh, but then you've got the mountains up there towards Oklahoma. And then there's a whole other topography up there. And there's probably as much going on up there in remote living as there is down here between uh, uh, Texarkana and South. Um but again, it's different shades. I mean, I've actually had somebody. I've had a, probably a, upwards of a dozen people in my church say, uh, "Hey, you know, do one of those. Come here. <laughs> and they want to tell me something." And and there's some descriptions of Ashdown, which is probably twenty, twenty-five, thirty minutes. I, I really don't know, but north of Texarkana. Uh, but between that and those mountains of lighter colored, even almost cream colored upright hominids up there. Whereas down in the swamps they're very dark and very uh you know, reddish or or black towards East Texas and all that. But up towards those mountains, up above Ashdown, uh thirty minutes and up, I've heard of and very credible eyewitnesses to say that they're lighter colored. And and one even say there was something grayish about them, you know, which may tend to lend to older, you know, which is pretty cool. And, uh, again, if you look at uh, the – if you Google north of Texarkana towards Oklahoma City, towards Little Rock and up north, there's a lot of nothing of woods and mountains and uh, the Waukeda Mountains up there. And then same respect down towards uh, uh, Falk and Doddridge. And when you go over into Arkansas, there's a lot of woods and swamps down there. So uh, I think it's consistent. I can't tell, per se, uh, from what I'm hearing through what I'm hearing or Lyle, that there's any certain time of year. Uh, again, going with what Shane said, uh, that they're just curious as much as we might be uh, and it's just periodic sightings. I don't think there's a particular yeah. time of year. What I was getting at a little bit um, was, you know, a lot of people talk about do Sasquatch migrate, do they hunker yeah. down. Uh, you know, people, um, a lot of people, uh, they're just they're, they're their description or, or thought on migration differs. You know, mine differs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not talking about something that migrates from great vast distances. I, I fully believe, personally, 
uh, you know, and very much a hypothesis is that Sasquatch, you know, go. it's more of an elevation thing. And if you look at known animals like elk and deer and bear and everything else, they go where the food is. And right. it's elevation. And to me, that's a sort of migration. It could be, you know, 50 to 100 square miles. I don't know. But it's it, it's a elevation thing depending on the weather and where the food sources are. So I, you can look at that as a, a type of migration. And in areas like uh, Texarkana and folk and like that, I wonder where and when, um, people, you know, the more reports are coming out of these areas. You know, I mean, obviously it takes a, a an individual, a person, and a subject such as Sasquatch to have an encounter or an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and obviously we as humans, uh, at least out here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, I know down there, in those areas, it's it's pretty nasty, you know, humidity-wise and everything else. Right. Uh, but when but what times of year people are out camping, hunting, and all that, uh, you know, we, this time of year I get a lot of reports. But once again, people are out in the woods, and it's hunting season up here, so uh, you're going to get a fluctuation there. I mean, uh, so right. I mean, not ne- not necessarily a pattern, but I would imagine uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of reports maybe in the winter, you know. Yeah, but you know what. I think down here it doesn't get so harsh mm-hmm. to the point where I I think there's sightings all the time, meaning, yeah. you know, periodically all the time, not necessarily one particular uh, area. You know, what's interesting down here, though, um, you know, there's always the description of, oh, it's a smell, but there's descriptions down here of, like, the worst matted dreadlocks you've ever seen. Yeah. And going back to the, uh, what you're talking about, the bugs and stuff, um, there's speculation of, you know, obviously they get bit just as much as we might get bit, but speculation that they roll in the mud and get all matted and nasty because it's it's a blocker of all these freaking ridiculous bugs down here. Um, so naturally they're going to smell and Mm -hmm. that's the descriptions, uh, that have come through people that I've actually talked to or secondhand or whatever, that they're just caked with, uh, you know, it just seems like mud dried and the great protection, uh, from these, these bugs. Oh my gosh. Well, well, yeah, that, see, that, that to me stands to reason, you know, up here in the, Part of me, the Pacific Northwest, you know, we don't have a whole lot of bugs. Uh, what we do have uh, for a few months is mosquitoes, and they could be horrendous, especially around bodies of water, lakes, you know, and stuff like that. They could be right. horrendous. But most of the Sasquatch uh, reports, uh, you know, the Bigfoot reports out of this area don't describe this matted. I mean, there are some, but not matted Sasquatches. Mm-hmm. They're usually shiny coats or, or, or um short right. hair and, and whatnot. Now, back, uh, you know, in the areas of, you know, Louisiana, Texas, and, and mm-hmm. Oklahoma and some of those areas, uh, and I've never, you know, I've passed through these areas. I haven't done any research in these areas. But you get reports of these matted Sasquatch. Yes. I know Mike Richburg, um, um, you know, out of the Carolinas, he, he's talked about this before with me um, with right. uh, the Lizard Man, you know, reports back in the day. Um, how how the subject was described as like a green or whatnot, and uh, and he had speculated, you know, that you know maybe it had you know like um, you know uh, an algae on it, sloths, 
in South America will almost look green at times because of the amount of algae on them on their hair. And I have to wonder if some of those lizard man reports and other reports were it's kind of a greeny color <laughs> that they're just covered in algae or moss or or you know, like you said, uh, rolling in mud and stuff to protect themselves from the bugs. We know other animals do this. Well, yeah, and you know what? Even to that point, you know, when people wear these ghillie suits that are really full-blown ghillie suits, um, that some people describe in that look, oh, yeah. much bigger. <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> what it looks like. Uh, matted, nasty green. Yeah, I I, I totally believe uh, with Mike talking to Mike, talking to Lyle, and all the research they all did up there. That I mean, I guess uh, I don't know the combination of human and lizard and all that. It's just not really possible, but it's more than likely, reasonably a misidentification of mm-hmm. a Bigfoot that had that green tint to it and uh right. who knows what for the tail but it might be just part of the hair you know because you know they're describing some kind of tail and so forth yeah but anyway i'm with you and and i you know just a little funny but people from louisiana and down here and y'all might have heard of it but the i don't know what the actual state bird of louisiana is but uh they say in a funny way, the uh, mosquito is the state bird of uh, <laughs> right. of Louisiana, which really, I mean, Dodgers and Falk, I mean, you could practically, you know, walk five minutes and you're in Louisiana. So it's it's really, they call it the four corners, but it's Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. It's right, mm-hmm. it's pretty much right there. And there's, they, God, they're talking about a million acres of undisturbed uh, forest land that, Really, nobody wants to get in there unless right. you're uh, <laughs> unless you're some kind of diehard nut job, or yeah. uh, you know, in a nice yeah. way. Well, Shelly Shelly Covington, <laughs> Shelly Covington yeah. says, uh, you know, every you know, she's been up here in the Pacific Northwest and, and obviously lives in Texas, and um, yeah. she loves it up here because, um, quite frankly, we don't have you know, uh, specifically in the the far Pacific Northwest. We don't have really any poisonous spiders. We don't have any poisonous snakes. Uh, you know, you can, you can move around, and the bugs are pretty light in comparison. Whereas in Texas, she always says, everything's trying to kill you, whether it's the plants or the animals or the bugs. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they've got some uh, thorn bushes down there with thorns like three inches long. I mean, yeah, and you yeah. can't – if you hit a wall of that, Forget it. There's no hacking through it. You, <laughs> yeah. you could burn the forest down, but that stuff will probably still be there. But yeah, well, good I luck. Mean, yeah. Good luck finding a Sasquatch then, because uh, that's probably where they're going through. <laughs> Man, and you know what, Shelly? Uh, you know, gosh, she has seen some stuff, and she's been where I couldn't imagine to go. But I couldn't even begin to back her up by saying there is so much down here. And when you say food source and it's generally kind of moderate climate, you know, I don't know what theory there is of of them things migrating because there's food everywhere and nothing messes with the the Bigfoot. I mean, it's just uh, they can just turn around and grab this or grab the snake or, 
hunt a hog or hunt a deer. I mean, I've seen, you know what? I live in Texarkana. It's almost 70,000 people. I've seen more deer in the city limits and packs of them than, than any city I've ever lived in. I mean, it's just <laughs> stupid. I'm like, yeah. I can't believe I just saw this. I've called my wife. On certain road, on certain whatever, there's like eight of them. There, I didn't see a head of horns, but, I mean, it's like a family group. And I'm like, how in the heck did they even get there? Uh, but it happens, uh, you it know, happens, and it's yeah. because Texarkana, 70,000 people almost, but they're surrounded by those million acres, so maybe they just kind of coming through there get catch a little bit of food. I don't know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe they're avoiding Sasquatch and think, you know, the lesser of two evils, so we'll go to where the people I are guess. at. Because yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's a right Patman Lake. Uh, I know they talk about big lakes, but if you look at Texarkana, look to the left, and right Patman Lake, there's been a lot, a lot of sightings out there. And between here and there, there's food. South of there is food. I mean, so, yeah, I'm I'm – quite happy to be where i'm at and hopefully hopefully i can stay here forever but we'll see how that rolls <laughs> being in retail yeah, yeah. well i mean it's funny you mentioned the deer thing uh you know uh, a lot of the sightings that happen out here in the pacific northwest do involve deer or elk and mm-hmm. uh, uh and people and um if you look at uh it's not so bad here in pacific northwest we get a ton of rain you know we get a ton of rain and it's green everywhere but you know you know a lot of these clear cuts and power line areas where Sasquatch is seen, and well, guess what? That's mm-hmm. where the deer and elk mm-hmm. and everything else is going to be grazing because the sunlight, you know, sunlight doesn't penetrate the forest ground where right. you just got pine needles, but you get the 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 uh, areas where the sunlight does penetrate, and that's where the deer and elk, uh, you know, tend to uh, tend to hang out because there's a lot of green grass there, and that's where the sightings right. are. I mean, I would imagine, uh, you know. For the amount of deer you're seeing close to these suburbs and areas where people are, you know, live, that is probably the same situation. The deer are coming in there because there is a plentiful right. of food. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. down here it's either uh, torrentially raining or it's baking for, you know, a month. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I guess it was last year or so, the Red River, which kind of, circulates around towards Freeport and kind of goes from Dallas around Texarkana flooding and oh my gosh. Uh, so, but other than that, like, yeah, this, this summer we've kind of baked, you know, uh, reaching a hundred. I mean, I know these people in Arizona are like whatever laughing, but, uh, but here when you're 110, 113 heat index uh, for a month, it's, it, you're baked, you know, and, right. You know, for, now, for I, I got a question. Let, let me. I got a question for you on that because the Red River historically mm-hmm. has a ton of Bigfoot sightings, and in those right. hot months, if I was a researcher and a brave researcher and one that liked punishment and pain and everything else, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd be near you, those water you, sources. That's you. Yeah. Well, that's me because I'm an <laughs> idiot. But that, but that's where I'd be posting up and hanging out. Uh, I mean, uh, is that? I mean, I've never been to the Red River. Uh, I've been all around some areas, but never there. Is that a logistical uh, area where uh, you think Sasquatch would utilize it, especially during those, like I said, not the torrential downpours, <laughs> but during the yeah. the hot hot months? You know, mm-hmm. is that where you'd be? Probably so, because on one respect, it is most of the Red River 
is a nightmare to get close to. But then again, potential Sasquatch, oh, okay, well, there's nothing hanging out because the humans ain't there. I mean, Red River, again, is pretty long in the fact that it kind of wraps around pretty far off from Texarkana. But uh, it's <clears throat> from any places I've ever been able to get close to the Red River, it's, I almost want to say, impenetrable in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then there's again like uh, towards Little Rock there is houseboats and there is ways to get there but uh, but it's Red River is not the nicest river and it's to me I know you know some rivers are can be described as volatile but to me Red River is that I mean it's either super way down or like flooding <clears throat> and the thing about it is I think a lot of streams feed it. So it's like uh, not only is it uh, itself getting flooded, but everything's feeding it around from from Dallas all the way to down to Shreveport and north of Texarkana. So uh, I, I believe you're right um, in the fact that they probably tend to be there, whether it's flooding or not. That's probably a good place to be, and and consequently, Boggy Creek and some of those things do actually connect and you know sulfur i guess Boggy creek connects to sulfur river sulfur river connects to red river as it goes <laughs> so that's, yeah that's kind of a fun little thought process yeah no it is but i mean it's it it you know i'm trying to understand it being here on the the west coast understand some areas that you guys work in and, and get reports from and, and everything else so it's one of those things that sticks out in my head that as someone that's you know an enthusiast and investigator something i'd be looking for but one of the things we were talking about earlier that interested me and piqued my interest uh during this conversation was the fact that we had mentioned you know you had mentioned the different variations and reports of sasquatch via color we look at we look at and i'm not saying sasquatch is a primate i don't know what the heck it is i'm just going off the reports and whatnot but uh, you know you look at orangutans you look at uh, uh, Mm -hmm. gorillas chimpanzees there's always a difference of color uh, not just via uh, species, but via um, age. And right. um, you mentioned some of the cream-colored ones out there. I mean, have you heard of the term honey bear? Uh, I know that I've never heard of it until uh, I got yeah. involved uh, with a few other investigators. Honey bear um, goes, I mean, honey bear is a bear, but some people describe Sasquatch in those areas as honey bear. And that always, intri- I mean, that, that intrigued me. Right. Well, I don't think. Again, I'm not an authority on that, but I don't think honey bears are very big at all. Right. And I don't think they can be that big, uh, just genetically speaking. But that may be the color you're talking about of the description. But, yeah, the ones I've heard of or heard people speak of is, you know, quite, quite big. And But, yeah, that you're right. I mean, I've never heard of any juvenile cream colored that might be mistaken inadvertently yeah. and it might be a honey bear. So I, it's just been the big ones that I've heard about, you know. Right. Well, what about color. the descriptions? What about the descriptions? You know, um, I'm going to bring this up and it's not like my passion or interest to be honest with you, but um, when you talk about dog man sightings, and I'll bring it up, mm-hmm. uh, it's not something we usually talk about on Monster X, but I'll bring it up because the dog man sightings um, really on the West Coast are nil. I mean, there's like none. I can I can think of one report I've taken in over many years of a dogman sighting, but 
in, in on the East Coast, you know, Michigan and in, in, in Texas, some of these areas, the, the dogmen sightings, as people call them dogmen, um, personally, I think they're misidentifications. Could be wrong, and I'm mm-hmm. willing to live with that. But um, people describe dogmen or dog, I mean, something that's big, uh, has a snout and ears, uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. a tail. Uh, I mean, do you take in a lot, any reports of that nature, and do you think there's something completely different going on there? You know, <clears throat> I've not been involved with any reports like that, but uh, the only thing that resembles something like that is down in southern Louisiana. And uh, I know you all have heard of the Rougarou or variations of that. or Yeah. Uh, but – there's a strong belief and belief system that that is what's down there. Um, so, but I haven't had to have any sightings or, uh, you know, people talk about their sightings that even resemble that. So I don't think there's even any misinterpretations around here. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, within, I don't know, a couple hundred miles of me from Louisiana, Texas and all that, it just, Anything resembling Dogman is down there in South Louisiana, Slidell, maybe. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, they do have the mystique of the Honey on Swamp Monster. But, but that whole mystique of Dogman, they just call it the Rougarou down there. And there's a right. strong belief. My wife's from New Orleans area, and she, it, 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 you know, it's, old, it's kind of like one of those old wives' tales of, you know, when when the parents threaten them, like, oh, you better watch out for the Rougarou. You know, they she grew up believing in the Rougarou. And anyway, maybe it's just overblown, but it's uh, it's something that they live their life around down there, and I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like um, that you've not taken a whole lot of those sort of reports or heard no. of a whole lot of that. Um, uh, and... You know, like I said, in Pacific Northwest, I don't get any of those reports. Everything described uh, via witnesses is very um, ape-like or, or kind of man-like right. and, and whatnot, but not anything that I would call a uh, or described as a dog man. But right. uh, I am interested in the variations of color because some of the areas, specifically around the Mount St. Helens area over the years, and I have friends that have witnessed things, they describe um, something gray or white being seen right. in this area. And there's been multiple reports and people that don't know each other and don't know of these reports that see this this white or gray Sasquatch. I mean, how how mm-hmm. they describe it. And uh, so is that an age thing? Is that um, uh, a variant in the species? Uh, who knows? But, you you know, you described the, the cream color and all that, um, you know, and the reddish color, which in, in Clackamas County up towards Mount Hood uh, is described prevalently. I mean, it's a, a big thing up there where a lot of the sightings um, describe um, almost juveniles, I would say, because they're skinny um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sometimes rather short, but they're kind of a reddish color. So there there are different, you know, different um, sightings of, of these individuals um, that describe different colors, and I'm all for that because... I mean that stands to reason. I wouldn't see, you know, you know, if you're if you're living in an area uh, in the Pacific Northwest, well, you look at black bears up here, and then you got like the honey bears in in your area that are, are described different colors, but they're still a bear, right? 
Right, right. Yeah. Well, oh. you know, it, I, just from what I've seen, again, I, I'm not sure what theory I can come up with, but uh, Texarkana to Dallas seems like a line of some sort. It, it seems like above that might be a little lighter, and and maybe it's the uh, the Waukeda Mountains. I, I, I just I don't know. But I do know that down here in the swamps, in the same respect of like in the snow-capped mountains and whatever, it's so dark and, and deep in those woods and the swamps. Something light, <laughs> you know, it would be like a beacon come come to me. And that I just have never heard of anything like that down here at all. Mm-hmm. Well, not to say that they don't roll around in the dirt i mean but i've just not heard about it they you know because they're all dark colored down here from what i've heard yeah no it's fascinating stuff and it's stuff that i pay attention to uh you know when i look at the continental united states and the the reports out there uh, i try to include a little bit of everything in there and see if i can get a better bigger picture and right now i i don't you know i i you know Mm -hmm. most of my focus is here in the pacific northwest um, but there are variations of color and size in, here in the Pacific Northwest that uh, I can seriously look at and go, okay, well, there's 10 reports in this area of this color individual or something and and mm-hmm. something else in, this, in another area. And then, you know, um, not necessarily a pattern being there, but uh, something's being seen. And I would imagine that, uh, you know, just like any other animal, you know, I look at my golden retriever. Uh, I had my golden retriever since it was about, you know, uh, four inches long. And over the years, it's got gray. You know, it's got gray around the muzzle, you know, and, right. and everything else. Well, I would imagine, uh, you know, and if you look at bear and everything else, they're all the same. They, they do get gray and, and, and get older and, and change color and, and shed. And, and so, to me, it's not like a, a big leap to think that there's these different colored Sasquatch out there. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's actually uh, I say again I got that key word of fun to to hear these things because you know when I got a little bit more serious three or four years ago I, I just didn't know but from right. the more I hear the more I realize well it makes sense that there would be differentiations and and that that could be why uh, obviously. Uh, with the age, it's gonna um, the 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 darker ones are probably gonna be darker for a lot longer than the lighter ones mm-hmm. because of the uh, fact of the darker ones down in the swamps. From what I've heard, tend to be around in the mud. So whether they get gray or not, I don't know about it because they're they're always <laughs> walling around. <laughs> Well, Brian, what what yeah. what's in your future? Uh, what what have you got going on? And um, I mean, are you going to be involved with any other? You've been involved with a, uh, quite a few little films. Uh, do you mind talking about some of the oh. films you've been involved with? And uh, <laughs> what's going on with your future? <laughs> well, that is crazy. The, you know, again, the right is. place, the right time. Exactly. Meeting the right people. Uh, met Michael Hall. Uh, he's part of the. And I guess he's a founder of the Texel Group down in uh, a little East Texas, but a little bit lower down there. 
but anyway, he is an actor and was with, you know, in the something in the woods and talking on a radio show. And he's like, Hey, why don't you call this lady? And, you know, I'm like, okay. And, uh, we end up being an extra and, uh, you talking about not having any experience and, and, uh, I've told this story to some people have heard it, but you know, if you've seen that movie, uh, the fight scene in the cafe, they set a camera in front of me on a tripod and David Ford, you know, that's the kind of behind the scenes thing. He's, they've already scripted it and got it worked out. And they said, okay, I'm over here and I'm, I'm doing this. I'm getting punched and we're just reacting to stuff. We've never, I never saw the fight. <laughs> so, so I hate to say it, but if you ever see that movie again, or if you've never seen it, <laughs> I, I just I'm watched it over there. the weekend. I, I watched well, it last week. I'm sitting there, just know that I've never saw the fight because <laughs> he's he's doing a good job directing. I'm over here, I'm over here, and me and him, my my son actually are right there, and and uh, we're just reacting to what he's saying. Oh my gosh! Oh, so uh, that and uh, they're actually uh, trying to finish up on uh, um, um, the movie Skookum, which was actually mm-hmm. filmed b- before something in the woods and uh guy jason mansfield's been editing it for a little while and he's saying it's coming pretty good because uh there's a lot of editing needed and uh i wasn't a part of that one i was it was you know way before i really got into this i guess but but they i don't know if it'll be in the final version but uh debbie uh, I guess her name's Debbie King Martin um, interviewed me and uh, a few like Doyle Holmes and his brother, Johnny Holmes and another guy, Greg Moorhead for the trailer of it just, you know, as the trailer is going, we're up there, ta- you know, talking some testimonials and, and I actually, I don't hope it shows up good, but I show a picture of that foot and I talk about that instance down in Falk. So, if, if it all comes to pass, we might be on the trailer of that one. And um, uh, they're they're filming a few things. Some of those same guys, they're not Bigfoot stuff related. Um, right. Generically speaking, uh, very infant stage of a, uh, whew, let me just say, a very large continent-wide Bigfoot research group, you know, that includes – uh, Canada and you know just all of pretty much North America. Uh, but yeah. anyway, there's a lot of big big names, big in the crypto Bigfoot world, and uh, it's just you know again an infant stage of just a lot of people getting together and you know you know whatever the plans are, whatever happens there uh, happens. But that's what's in our future. And and uh, this fall again, my plans are like. As much as I want to get out in the field and and uh, with the trail cameras and and all the stuff that Jeff Stewart's got going on in East Texas, uh, again a thousand acres access to a thousand acres is good enough. It's a lot, and he's had some sightings and you know Sabine thing and all that that's going on down there. Plus we're going to hunt, so that's that's what I got going on this uh-huh. fall. Uh, you know, getting down there and hunting and, you know, how many hunters have you heard of that, well, I was hunting and then just something came in my sights. Well, hey, 
I'm ready for that. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I want to, yeah. you know, so, you know, I'm going to try and kill two birds with one stone kind of situation there. Yeah. Well, yeah. How many, how many reports we heard of, of, of hunters this time of year, not only catching right. something in their sight, but, uh, having uh, shot something like an elk or a deer and whatnot and coming back and seeing it, you know, they know where it landed and it's gone. And, right. and, uh, in right. some of these cases they've seen Sasquatch carrying off their, 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 you know, their kill. Right. I mean, wow. Right. <laughs> and it's not like, I mean, it doesn't take anybody with any logical reasoning to know that something like that doesn't disappear uh, you know you could see if something ate on it and drug it off a little bit but if, if it's gone and you kind of circle around and within 100 yards or 50 yards and it's not there then uh something carried it away it didn't that didn't disappear so that that's uh that's a pretty cool eh, as much as you lost it but it's pretty cool to know that it's a good way to start a research area <laughs> You know exactly. Well, it's been—I'll tell you what—it's been a, a fascinating show, and and Brian, really appreciate you joining us and uh, right, giving no us problem. some knowledge and some background on on uh, Smoky Crabtree and the, the Boggy Creek incident, and, and uh, just your personal mm-hmm. experiences and uh, the history of the area. Man, I, I've learned a lot tonight, and I'm sure our audience has as well. Well, I tell you what—I've uh, said it. You know, I'm in retail. I work a lot, but I swear to you, if you, I mean, you go to Monster Mart down there, they've got every week they've got countries and, and people signing their little book that's from all over the world, all over the nation. If you are listening to this and I have time, I'll take you around some of these spots and because oh. you can go down there. Oh, quick story. Seth Breedlove. Yeah. When he came down to the Boggy Creek Festival, and and this is very funny, and Seth laughs about it because we've talked. He comes down to the festival, and I'm interviewing with Jason Mansfield in the Monster Mart and talking. I'm like, hey, Seth, how's it going? And uh, he's like, hey, how's it going? It it was the Red River rain, so maybe it was last year. Uh, But uh, Lyle couldn't get there in uh, time or whatever. I'm like, hey, well, let me finish up here for a few minutes, and I'll take you around. And he's like, oh, no, it's no big deal. I'm like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, if you don't know where you're going down there, one, you're either going to go down the wrong road and really regret it, or <laughs> you don't know what you're looking at. I mean, Boggy Creek runs right across the road in a lot of places, or right underneath the little bridge, and you just don't even know it. So, he came back a couple hours later, like, hey, Lyle, in here yet. Can you bring me? I'm like, yeah. That's where that uh, Kickstarter <laughs> video came from because I took him to a spot and it was rainy, it was nasty, and that's part of the video he got was part of – he did some other things, but that's part of where I took him because you just don't happen to go somewhere down there. <laughs> but anyway, that being said, look me up. Uh, if I can, I'll take you to a few spots. It'll be fun. You know, fantastic. All right, and I and I'm all about fun, man. This, this is not just about trying to be the best researcher. No, but you know, I want to go hunting. Oh. I want to have fun and and meet a lot of people and do my thing. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us, Brian. And you can, uh, if if those interested, can and look uh, Brian up on Monsters, Mysteries, and Mayhem on Facebook. 
fantastic site. Right. And uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us tonight, Brian, and uh, look forward to having you back on the show sometime. All right. Thank you. Thank you all Have very much. Have a great Thanks, night. Brian. Yes, Thank sir. you, everybody, and join us again next week for another episode, another show on Monstrux Radio. All right. Mm-hmm.